right, Exodus chapter 32. We're going to back up just a little bit and see what where we go to. Moses had been on the mount and God had talked to him and he says he gave it to him verbally and then he went up there. He went up on, on the mount and he was up there for 40 days. And <clears throat> chapter 32 opens up with a, a real low point for the children of Israel because after all the blessings and everything that the Lord had done, here we are, Moses was gone for 40 days, <clears throat> just a, a little while. And they came to him in verse 1 of chapter 32. Now the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain. The people assembled around Aaron and said to him, Come make us a God, little g, who will go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up from the land of Egypt, we do not know what's become of him. God had in repeatedly said... And he knew this was going to be a problem. He said, don't worship an idol. Don't build one from any creature in heaven and on earth or in the sea or under the sea. He said, don't build an idol. He said repeatedly. <clears throat> Through the years, he told them, he says, keep yourself pure from the local people, you know. Don't go after the idols of the local people. He said, don't marry these local girls. He said, they'll cause you problems. And ultimately, that was the, some, the basic sin because their hearts were drawn away. Ultimately, that's what caused them to go into captivity as we talked about in Daniel. Uh, because of, of this... Verse 2 of chapter 32. Aaron said to them, Tear off the gold rings which are in your ears of your wives and your sons and your daughters and bring them to me. Then all the people tore off the gold rings which were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. He took, he took this from their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool and made it into a molten calf. And they said, This is your God, O Israel, who brought you up from the land of Egypt. Um, verse 1 they said to Aaron make for us a God <clears throat> this is where a leader needs to be strong Aaron could have nipped it in the bud at that point per Barney Fife but he said he said bring me your gold Aaron was in trouble at that point because he listened to the people rather than doing what he knew he should do. And Moses and the Lord rebuked him about that. And we talked that li about that li last week that Moses inter interceded to the Lord because Aaron was in big time trouble with the Lord because of his disobedience. So that's the backdrop of where we are today. Um, 
his anger, the Lord's anger was, was evident. Uh, skip now to verse 30 of chapter 32. On the next day, Moses said to the people, You yourselves have committed a great sin, and now I'm going up to the Lord. Perhaps I can make atonement for your sin. Then Moses returned to the Lord and said, Alas, this people have committed a great sin. They have made a God of gold for themselves. But now, if you will forgive their sin, and if not, please blot me out from your book, which you have written. The Lord said to Moses, Whoever has sinned against me, I will blot him out of my book. Now, <clears throat> Some people take this little passage to mean the book of the saved, as we know in Revelation and other points, uh, that, that they're, they're, our name is written in the book of life. And <clears throat> the scholars seem to think, and in this particular case, that's not what he, he's talking about. But he, he did have a listing. It was kind of like a census. I'm going to read you what um, the um, Bible Knowledge Commentary says, and I, I trust it. Moses told God that if he refused to forgive his people, he would prefer to have his name removed from the book God had written. Some said this was a book of life that lists believers' names, but more likely it was a census of the people Moses' statement probably in indicated that he was willing to die a premature death, not suffer eternal torment. He did not want to be associated with a sinful, unforgiving people. Rejecting Moses' offer, God promised to punish the sinners by premature death, and we know that's the case when we get the numbers because of this, their disobedience <clears throat> in going to, into the promised land. It, with except Joshua and Caleb, everybody else died uh, in that 40-year span. Um, so there was, there was, a, um, there was a, a judgment. We don't know. Scripture doesn't tell us. But uh, let's go on and read in verse 34. Uh, now go lead my people where I told you to go. My angels shall go before you. Nevertheless, in the day when I punish, I will punish them for their sin. And then the Lord smote the people because of what they did with the calf which Aaron had made. That last verse, we're silent. We don't know what the Lord did at that point in time. Now if you go back up a few verses... Um, when Moses saw the people out of control, verse 25, uh, and Moses said to him, in verse 26, whoever is for the Lord, come to me. And the sons of Levi did, and he said, put your swords on and go in and kill everybody that was disobedient. Now, scholars seem to think that the, they rose up to play. We've talked about that last week. When Joshua heard the, the sounds of, of, the, of the, um, the singing, and they rose up to play. And I mentioned last week that idolatry leads to immorality. 
And probably there was some open sin going on there with immorality. God has always been against it, is today, always has been. And that these 3,000 men were probably ones of the ones that were committing immorality. But now we don't know that. That's what, Bill doesn't know it. That's what scholars, that's what scholars have been saying about this particular thing. Okay, let's look at verse 34 one more time in chapter 32. But now go lead the people where I told you, Behold, my angel shall go before you. Verse thir chapter 33, verse 1. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, Depart, go up from here, you and your people, whom you brought up from the land of Egypt, to the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob saying to your descendants I will give it and I will send an angel before you and drive out the Canaanites the Amorites, the Hittites the Perizzites, all these ites verse 3 go up to the land flowing with milk and honey an agricultural term and I will not <clears throat> I will not go up in your midst because you are an obstinate people and I might destroy you on the way now, when they came out of Egypt, who led them? God led them. Pillar of fire, pillar of cloud. He's mad at them here. He says, I'll send my angel, but I'm not going to go. That's what he says in this particular case. Verse 4, when the people heard this sad word they went in the morning none of them put on his ornaments for the Lord had said to Moses say to the sons of Israel you are an obstinate people should I go up in your midst for one moment I would destroy you now therefore pull off your ornaments from you that I may know what I shall do with you so the sons of Israel stripped, stripped themselves from their ornaments from Mount uh, Horeb, which we know is Mount Sinai, onward. So from the imp implication is for the rest of the, their 40 years of, of, of wanderings, they didn't wear their jewelry at that point. But God, God says, if I come down there, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> That's Bill's paraphrase, but... but that's, that's uh, basically what he says. Now, verse 7. Now, Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp, a good distance um, from the camp, and he called it the tent of meeting. Now, later on, later on in history, the tabernacle became known as the tent of meeting. But in this particular case, the tabernacle hadn't been built the Lord had given Moses the instructions for it, but it had not had been built. But outside the camp, here God didn't want to come into the camp. Outside the camp, uh, Moses pitched a tent. We'd have no idea how big it is or what's inside of it or anything else. And yet God's gone through great, great detail to tell us about the tabernacle. So outside of the camp, so the Lord wouldn't have to come in the midst of his people, he says, I may kill you. 
he, Moses put a tent out there and he met the Lord at that tent of meeting. Now let's continue to read verse 8. And it came about whenever Moses went outside the tent that all the people would arise and stand each at the entrance of his tent and gaze after Moses until he entered the tent. Whenever Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent and the Lord would speak with Moses. When all the people saw that the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would arise and worship each at the entrance of his tent. So uh, <clears throat> this is a kind of a deal that, the, that Moses and the Lord worked out. He says, I need to get instructions and I need to know what you're up about. Meet me at this tent. And so they did. But it was outside the camp. That's important because God said um, in verse uh, 3 up there, he says, I will not go in your midst. He says, I might destroy you on the way. So at the tent of meeting, Moses met the Lord out there and they talked. Verse 11. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face, just as a man speaks to his friend. When Moses returned to the camp, his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. And we need to say a little bit about this face to face. When we're meeting with our friends, we do talk face to face. <clears throat> scripture has said nobody has ever seen the Lord and we'll get into that in just a minute here so what the scholars are telling here that, that the Lord met him and he talked to him as one would if he was talking to his friend face to face does that make sense he didn't see God's face but he heard him and he, he asked instructions and God talked to Moses just like I would talk to you. So this is, this is what he did there. And, and he had a very unique uh, relationship with the Lord God. And nobody has ever had that relationship again until Jesus came incarnate in flesh and met with the people at, that we know that are in the Old Testament. Okay, verse 12. Then Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, Bring up this people. But you, you have yourself, have not, not let me know whom you will send with me. Moreover, you have said, I have known you by name, and you have found favor in my sight. Verse 13, Therefore, I pray you, if I have found favor in your sight, let me know your ways, that I may know you, so that I may find favor in your sight. Consider, too, this nation is your people. And he said, My presence shall go with you, and I will give you rest. Then he said, if your presence does not go with us, do not lead us from here. 
verse 33, chapter 33, verse 1, he says, depart from here. Moses said in verse 15 of the same chapter, if your presence does not go with us, don't lead us from this place. <clears throat> so Moses and the Lord are having this dialogue about his people. And once again, Moses reminded the Lord, not that he needed reminding, that this is your people. This is your people. So in this little passage of Scripture here from the end to the end of the chapter, Moses wanted to know three things from the Lord. He says, I want to know your intentions with this people. That's what he said here. Let me know your ways. <clears throat> and he said, consider too that this nation is your people. That was the first thing he wanted to know. Verse 16. For how can I be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not by your going with us? that we and I, your people, may be distinguished from the other people who were on the face of the earth. So I want to know your intentions. God, Moses said that to the Lord. And he said, I want you to go before us because he said, I'm going to send an angel. I don't want to be in the midst of them or I might kill them. So here Moses is in discussions with the Lord. Now, as Rebecca pointed out last week, God knew this. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's Jehovah God, omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent, as we call it today. So it wasn't, it wasn't new to God what was going on, but Moses didn't know what was going on, you see? And so he wanted to get this all squared away. <clears throat> Verse 16 again. For how then can it be known if I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not by going up with us? So we and I and your people may be distinguished from all the people on the face of the earth. <clears throat> going back to chapter 19, God says, If you will obey my commandments and keep, keep my judgments, he says you will be a unique people to me all the earth is mine but you will be a peculiar people unto me so Moses is bringing back up he says you need to be among us because you're this distinguishes us the the Israelites from everybody else on the face of the earth verse 17 the Lord said to Moses I will also do this thing which you've spoken. So he says, I will go up. He, he, he said, I'll, I'll go with you. For you have found favor in my sight, and I have known you by name. Now, the third thing that Moses wanted to know when he talked to the Lord here at the tent of meeting in this particular instance is in verse 18. And Moses said... I pray you, show me your glory. That's, I don't know what all Moses meant when he said, show me your glory. I mean, he'd seen miracles. He knew God was all-powerful. He knew what he was. 
He had met him in Tenna meeting, and it was very important to him to have this dialogue with God. And yet Moses wanted to know. He said, Lord, just show me your glory. Show me your glory. And so this is a very familiar passage of Scripture here. We've had a beautiful song written years and years and years ago about it. And it's, it's, it's very good. But let's continue reading in verse 19. And he said, I myself will make my goodness pass before you and will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. And I will show compassion on whom I will show compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face. For no man can see me and live. Then the Lord said, Behold, there's a place by me, and you shall stand there on the rock. And it will come about that while my glory is passing by, I will put you in the cleft of the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take my hand away from you, and you shall see my back, but my face you shall not see. So from that scripture, we have the song, you know, The Cleft of the Rock. Uh, it's, a beautiful, it's a beautiful song that represents what God told Moses that he would do. Just, I'm going to tuck you in the side of this rock. I'm going to cover you with my hand. And you'll be able to see my backside. And that's it. That's it. And evidently, that was enough for, the, for Moses. Because he was happy with that. Okay, that takes us to chapter 34. Now the Lord said to Moses... <clears throat> Cut out for yourself two stone tablets like the former ones, and I will write on the tablets the words which were on the former tablets which you shattered. We don't know why Moses threw them down. We know he was upset with Aaron and the people building the golden calf. Um, if he threw them down in disgust or threw them down, we don't know. We don't know. But he shattered them. And they were written by the finger of God. So, God told Moses, prepare two more tablets, come back, and I'll do it again. Now, we're so influenced by what we've seen in television and other things. Uh, you know, we see, we see in Ben-Hur, we see the two tablets of stone and He's got his arms around. I have no idea. Nobody else does either what these tablets of stone were. But what we do know is that they were big enough to fit in the Ark of the Covenant. And uh, so I, I don't know how big they were. But God didn't give Moses a lot of time. He said, cut out two stones, tablets like the former ones, and I write on, on them uh, on the former tablets which you shattered. Verse 2. So be ready by morning. <laughs> you know, 
I'm, I'm going to tell you, go get them, but I'm going to be, be ready by in the morning. So, uh, and he came up the morning to Mount Sinai and presented himself there to me on the top of the mountain. No man is to come with you, nor let any man be seen anywhere on the mountain. Even the flocks and the herds may not gaze in front of the mountain. Now last time, who went with him? Joshua. Joshua went with him. Joshua was his right-hand man from the time they crossed the Red Sea. And he was, he was the heir apparent to take them into the promised land. But he said, leave Joshua at home. I just want you. And he said, don't let anybody else or any animal be on the mountain at this point. <clears throat> so verse 4. So he cut out two stone tablets like the former ones. Uh, and Moses rose up early in the morning and went up to Mount Sinai as the Lord had commanded him. And he took two stone tablets in his hand. The Lord descended in the cloud and stood there with him and called the name of the Lord. Then the Lord passed in front of him and proclaimed, The Lord... The Lord God, compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness, truth, who keeps loving kindness, <clears throat> who forgives iniquity, transgression, and sin. Yet he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished, visiting the iniquity of the fathers of the children and the grandchildren to the third and fourth generations. Moses made haste, bowed low toward the earth and worship, and said, If now I have found favor in your sight, O Lord, I pray let the Lord go along in our midst, even though the people are so obstinate. Pardon our iniquity and our sin." And take us as your own possession. So, the Lord <coughs> reminded Moses of who his who he is and what his nature was. Uh, back in verse six and seven, he's compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and kindness, truth. Uh, forgives iniquity, transgression, and sin, yet he won't leave the guilty unpunished. The latter part of that is a very sobering thing to me. We as fathers, we have a lot to do with where our children and grandchildren are today. I stand on the shoulders of men on both sides of my family that were godly people, and I am more grateful as the days go by for their faithfulness, for their faithfulness. Verse 9, I pray let the Lord alone go along in our midst, even though the people are so obstinate 
pardon our iniquity and our sin and take us for your possession as he said he would back in chapter 19 and repeatedly several times later. <clears throat> so we have here the story of, of the Lord and Moses. Um, he's fixing to receive the Ten Commandments again. Uh, we'll see that as uh, the uh, lessons progress. Uh, in verse 28 of Exodus 34 is the only time that the word Ten Commandments is given. But he says he wrote on the tablets the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. So um, we see uh, going forward uh, what the Lord has got for the children of Israel. Um, what can we glean from this? You know, where where can what can we take away in this this day and time? Um, I think we can take away what he said here to the last little bit. God's nature is to coin up a very simple phrase that we find in John. God is love. And all that that means, God is love. Uh, he, doesn't, he doesn't forsake us. Um, as Pastor Bobby said, I don't know, in the last <laughs> little bit, you know, when we was talking about the um, John 3.16, you know, and, uh, and yet he, if you haven't received him, Scripture says you're condemned already. He didn't do it. You did it. Because Scripture has, tells us that he's full of compassion, slow to anger, will forgive our sins if we come to him. And that's the crux of the thing today. If we'll come and, and forgive, ask forgiveness for our sins, he will make us a new person. How many of you seen the movie Overcomer? Go see it. Go see it. It's it's playing. I, I, they tell me it's playing here in town, but it's also playing in Rock Hill and Indian Land, and it's it's powerful, a powerful thing of forgiveness. Uh, it's it's a it's a beautiful story, very well very well done and the production is absolutely great but it's it's a story of a changed life and I pray we all have this changed life uh, I won't say any more about the movie but it's very very good and it comes back to what the Lord said in Exodus it comes back to what he says in John 3 that, that he loves us and he's not willing that any would perish but all would come to repentance well that's as far as I prepared I got through quicker than I thought it would Art so um, Art will pick up there next week and uh, we'll, we'll go from there